Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, day three of the World Cup and Australia had us for a few moments daring to dream, but a 4-1 defeat to France leaves our panel of Mark Schwarzer from Qatar, Tommy Orr and Thomas Sorensen with some burning questions to answer. There was also a massive upset for Saudi Arabia against Argentina and a couple of nil-nil draws, but plenty of entertainment on a busy day of action. I'm your host, Amy Duggan, and this is the Optus Sport Football Podcast. Let's get into it. The Gagan Pot. Well, what a massive morning it's been and great to have Tommy and Thomas with us. Notice I'm still wearing my colours, boys. Still a proud Aussie, even though we went down in the end. Let's talk about the game, though, because uh, it's wonderful to have you both here, but you must be feeling a little disappointed. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, obviously it's a bittersweet. You know, we started the first 20 minutes of the game so well. Um, and then, you know, once they got their first goal back, I think um, we kind of capitulated and the things that we did so well in the first 20 minutes, we sort of stopped doing them. So I think that was a little bit of the disappointing part of that game. But I mean, yeah, hats off to France. We know they're an amazing team and they showed it today. Yeah. And I think, you know, just looking at it, I think just the way the goals went in, I think some of the things I would have banked on was you know, Suta and Raul's defending that six-yard box. Uh, and that's where three of the goals went, more or less all of them went in from crosses. Um, you know, so I think just the basic defending, I think it sort of bore the, the picture of, of just players that hasn't played together and hasn't played a little in a little while, I think. It's, yeah, overall just disappointing. And the quality was there. You know, the quality difference was, was definitely there to see. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, if you look at the first goal from France as well, to, to concede off a set piece, albeit second phase, you know, that's that's uh, not something that happens too often with a national team. So uh, I'm sure Arnie will be quite disappointed with that one. And that really set the tone, as you mentioned, to uh, the goals that came after. Well, let's go over to Qatar and hear from Socceroos icon Mark Schwarzer, who was in the stadium watching all the action live. Mark, give us your thoughts on the game. Well, watching Australia play today, um, obviously there was a slight surprise that Craig Goodwin started the match. I thought probably uh, Abomobil would start, but obviously he didn't. Um, and it turned out to be the right decision. Craig Goodwin, I thought, was probably one of our better players on the night. Um, got on the end of a wonderful cross from Matthew Leckie and rifled the ball on the roof of the net. And I have to say, I jumped out of my seat and shouted and screamed and celebrated. And there were pockets of fans near me that also joined in. Which was, uh, which was quite interesting, but there was also a sense of eerie silence and almost like gasp of, of shock that the world champions were behind against lowly ranked and uh, unfancied Australia. Um, but overall, I think the, the tactics and, and the way that Graham Arnold spoke in the lead up to this game was all about being on the front foot and wanting to take the game not uh, to France and not sit back all the time and not just try and hold out for something. And I think for the first... 20, 25 minutes, uh, possibly even longer, 27 minutes. I think they did that. I think they were they were very positive. They were on the front foot. 
um, well, maybe 20 minutes, and they, they dropped off a little bit then, and there were periods of time, probably up until, you know, shortly before they scored, that you kind of felt something was coming because they kept dropping and inviting the pressure of France uh, onto them. And, of course, when you're playing against players like Mbappe, um, Griezmann and Giroud and the form that is he in, he's in, it's very difficult to defend against when you drop deep. And you need an out. We didn't have an out uh, a lot of the times. And uh, it was tough for Mitchell Duke, but we really needed him to be up front and really try and get hold of the ball. But it just wasn't to be. And um, it was a, 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 you know, sort of a, a very positive opening 25 minutes from the Socceroos, I thought. I think there was a natural tendency when you go 1-0 up so early in a game against such a classy, top-class opposition, there is a sense of dropping off, dropping deep. And I I just felt that we had too many players back. We dropped too deep and we gave them too much respect. And and it was too early in the game to to do that. We needed to still be positive on the front foot. Look, at the end of the day as well, you're playing against an unbelievable opposition who also dictate the game. They have a lot of ball and they've got the quality to to turn teams around, to to, to find uh, ways through them. And Bappe's got unbelievable pace, as we all see and all know, and he's going to cause always a threat. Uh, so <laughs> it's a tough one. And I, I just feel that I know I've been there before. It is a natural tendency to drop. And um, we probably did that a little bit too early. I was really surprised we considered so many goals um, uh, in terms of uh, headed goals, I thought with Suta rolls in midfield, uh, sorry, in the centre half pairings, I thought we would be a lot more solid. Um, we were for that first 15, 20 minutes, definitely. Um, but then after that, uh, the quality of the crosses is also very difficult to qual- uh, to defend against. And sometimes it doesn't matter how good a header you got, how big a defender you got, if the quality of the, def- of the of the ball as well as the timing of the runs is so good, it's difficult. But saying that. I didn't think the goals themselves were wonderful runs, timing runs. I just thought that we really didn't, we weren't tight enough, we didn't get close enough, and we didn't. Uh, that was the one element I was I was disappointed with. I thought I thought Matty Ryan did what he had to do. He made a good save as well uh, in the second half. Look, of course, I'm sure he'll look back at and I, as I would always do and. You watch things over again. You go, if I did this, I did that. Maybe I could have saved it. Maybe on another day, he would have saved one or two of them. Who knows? Um, but look, there's no, there's no finger pointing blame at whatsoever. I don't think, you know, I, don't, I think the the finishes themselves in the end were pretty good. Um, and it was tough for, for Maddie on a night when, you know, we, we were always going to be exposed at times. You know, we unfortunately we just got exposed too often. And look, the scoreline could have been far worse. I thought for Atkinson and Bayage, it was always, always going to be a real tough night. Um, they were always going to be under constant pressure. They were always going to have to deal with the pace of Mbappe, for example, most of the time. Griezmann's movement, Giroud as well. It's... It, it's almost, it's so difficult. And they've got players all over the pitch that can hurt you in any position. Um, their fullbacks getting forward as well. It, it's just so difficult to defend against. And, you know, I feel for the guys because they're up against the world champions, some unbelievable players. Sure, I think there's always something Australia could have done differently. I mean, you know, I, 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 th- I'm, I personally would have been really disappointed. I was disappointed on the night of the goals we conceded. Um, I thought, like I said, headed goals, in, in the areas where I believe that we, we could have defended better against. And I don't think we defended that well. Firstly, the pressure on the ball, the cross to try and prevent, you know, put more pre- pressure on that. It doesn't always work. Sometimes you, you, you have to just deal. You have to deal with the cross coming in. 
And I just don't think we dealt well enough with it today. Um, and uh, that was a disappointing thing. And of course, we concede the second one by playing out, and it's a, it's a simple, basic mistake. Um, but they're the risks that you, you have when you are a team that wants to play more frequently out of the back sometimes, and certainly against top opposition, the slightest mistake they can punish you. And that's what happened tonight. I think it leaves us with um, really only one option, and that's to win the next two games. Um, you know, when you've got a negative of three goals, uh, you know, similar to what we were in, Ger- uh, in South Africa against Germany, losing 4-0, we were uh, obviously four goals uh, behind and we were always playing catch-up. We ended up on four points and it wasn't enough. And I fear that four points with our uh, negative goal difference won't be enough, or at least our goal difference. Um, and I think we have to really win our next two games to have uh, to get through to the next round. Well, thanks to Mark Schwarzer for your thoughts there too. So, Tommy and Tommy, let's get into the big talking points from this match because as we go through it, Australia did get off to the perfect start, Tommy. We did, and uh, I think, well, France, the first one or two minutes were on fire and I thought, oh, we could be up against it here. But, you know, after those one or two minutes, we really settled into the game well and um, yeah, I thought we were really aggressive. We had you know, really positive intent with the ball and we caused them problems. And I think that we deserved our goal, to be honest. And um, yeah, I think, you know, after that, that's when things started to head south. It was a beautiful piece of play, though, Thomas, wasn't it? That long ball from Harry Souter out wide. We probably just didn't see enough of those sorts of moments in the game. Yeah, and no, I think it exposed one of the weaknesses of the French team. I think that the fullbacks are, are really, really good uh, going forward. I think Hernandez obviously sets up Rabiot's goal, um, but they were both exposed, really. You know, Hernandez not dealing with the initial ball. And, and then Pavar, I don't know what he's doing at the back post, but he's, he's sort of drifting inside and, and doesn't go with, um, you know, with, with the, the guy at the back stick. So... You know, but again, fantastic goal. And, and it was the perfect start. It was the start that, you know, Australia wanted. Um, you know, you, you want a bit of momentum. You know, sadly, they just couldn't keep it up. Tommy, when Craig Goodwin scores, being the first active A-League player to score for Australia at a World Cup and uh, goals in open play have been something we've been talking about leading into this game, were we daring to dream here that we could stay in front? Definitely. And I think, um, like Thomas just touched on as well, it wasn't only that we scored a goal against the run-up play. I thought that we were good value for the goal. And, you know, we, we were really aggressive and we didn't give them any time on the ball. But with the ball as well, we were, you know, doing good diagonals and getting in behind their defence. And, um, yeah, I thought at the start I was very excited for, you know, could we maintain that? And obviously we couldn't. And I think that's obviously why it's so disappointing as well, because we proved that with the, with the right intent that we were capable. The, um, the defending was uh, questionable a couple of times, a few of the goals. Uh, we saw Mbappe drop the shoulder and get in behind plenty, especially in the second half. There was a bit static uh, in the middle. Obviously, Sutar and Rolls um, in the centre there, but Sutar coming back from injury. Was the selection the right one for the central pairing? Yeah, no, again, you know, in hindsight, everything is easy. Um, you know, I thought... You know, Sutar, you know, if he felt, you know, he had played, um, you know, a couple of games for Stoke. Um, but it is it's always a different uh, thing when you're going up against the world champions. Uh, you got Giroud in there, you got Mbappe, you got, you got plenty of players around. I, I think it was just in a manner that, that disappoints me that the, the positioning, I think, was, was poor at times. Uh, you know, just losing players, uh, too, too transfixed on the ball, uh, not, not really being aware of. Um, you know, the players around where Mbappe, 
you know, was in the box, um, you know, for, for one of the goals. So, you know, that comes as well with, with match fitness, uh, sharpness. Uh, and I think that was probably, um, you know, the, but what was the alternatives? I think in the, in the squad, I don't think there was a, you know, a lot of other options there really to, um, to deploy. No, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, our fullbacks obviously had a really difficult day as well. And, um, you know, it's an envious role playing against the likes of Mbappe and Dembele. And it's almost impossible to stop them getting crosses into the box. But I think that, you know, that they were cutting the ball back to the edge of the 18-yard box on, you know, many occasions. And we just didn't have the numbers around the ball to, you know, get the block in or whatever it was. And I think that was a disappointing thing. And, you know, if you, if you look at how Saudi Arabia defended yesterday against Argentina, they had that desperation. I think that's what we were lacking today. Well, as you mentioned, Atkinson and Bates both had torrid times against the wingers. But do you think we could have done anything different to stop that, Thomas? You know, again, it, sometimes it also comes down to individual quality. And obviously the disappointing thing is that, you know, Atkinson losing that ball uh, at the second goal. You know, it, it came at a... At a crucial time, you, you're trying to hang on. Uh, you know, you've just conceded, uh, and then straight after you concede again. And uh, you know, I think you know it's just a, a whammy. And Atkinson again, obviously, for you know, you you mentioned a Bapper going past him. Um, you know, it, it's like it's like Tommy said. It, it is you know, it's easy for us to sit here, but they're up against probably the two of the best wingers in the world. You know, the, the pace. And you're always on the, on the back foot. And, and I think they just, you know, you could just see that the quality difference was just there. And, and um, you know, sadly, the guys in the middle just couldn't deal with those crosses because they were always going to come in. Yeah, I think if as well, like you touched on that second goal and the mistake of Atkinson. And I think if you see how that goal kind of came about, we, I think we played a short goal kick um, from Matt Ryan. And I think in the context of, you know, the time of the game, we just conceded. You know, it's not too long till half time. I thought that was a poor decision. We kind of invited the pressure on ourselves unnecessarily. And, you know, I think we had half the team kind of preparing for the long goal kick. Atkinson coughs up the ball, but then you don't have the defenders around him to give him the support to, you know, make amends for his error. So I think that that was a, that was a maybe a naive decision as well. And it was, um, yeah, it just kept compounding that error by individual mistakes after that. So I think, as Thomas touched on, it, it wasn't only the general play, but the goals that we did concede were quite preventable. Well, three of them were headers, of course, um, which, you know, set pieces are always very important uh, at World Cups, but to concede three headers the way we did, I think there's some work to be done there, isn't there? Let's talk about the halftime break. We went in 2-1, as you said, Tommy, off the back of that second goal. I think Australia was still in the game or a chance to be in the game there. Um, SBS in their commentary with um, former Socceroo Harry Kuehl, has pointed out that Australia had a lack of initiative when the score was was 1-0 and 1-1 and that we stopped doing the things that we had done that had put us in front in the first place. Um, do you agree with him? Yeah, uh, to be honest. I think that, yeah, the first 20 minutes we were aggressive, you know, the pressing, all that kind of stuff. We, we had a real positive intent. And as soon as they got their first goal, that's exactly what we stopped doing. You know, we, we kind of sat off and we let, we allowed the likes of, you know, Griezmann to play all these passes in behind. Um, in the first 20 minutes, you know, we were right up against him, forcing him to pass the ball backwards. And if you give players like that time on the ball, you're going to get punished. And that's essentially what happened. Maybe some of the substitutions came a little bit too late as well. I think, um, you know, I think it was only Mitch Duke that went off just sort of shortly into the second half but every, everyone else came on with, with about 15 minutes to go 
Um, you maybe you know we've seen you know around other games just that injection you know with the heat as well, just that injection of of energy can can sometimes just change the dynamics a little bit. Um, but yeah, it 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 was a you know it was a strange way of sort of just allowing the initiative uh, you know solely in France's hands. I, I think you know they started well, but like Tommy said, it just you know. Just let it slip away. The possession stats were clearly always going to sit in France's favour and they did end up 62 to France, 38 to Australia. I think the interesting stat that came out of this was that Australia had no attempts on goal at all in the second half and and that's pretty damning. Did the substitutions of Cummings and Quoll um, come too late, Tommy? Yeah, potentially. I think that there, there's two part, two ways to look at this. I mean, you can also argue they didn't get any service at all. You know, there was no midfield playing the balls in behind for Qual to run onto and to get into behind their defence. And I thought, I thought Aaron Moy, you know, towards the end of the first half was potentially, you know, forcing the issue maybe a little bit more than he usually would. But I think, you know, Ajdin Hurstich as well, who was obviously out injured, he adds a bit of more composure in the midfield. And I think if we can get him back for, for the next two games, that'll, you know, increase the service that we can get to those attacking players because I thought that there was too much on Moy's shoulders this morning. Tommy Sorensen, uh, was it about service to the front players that they just didn't get it, that when Australia did win the ball um, from France that we didn't protect it well enough and we didn't keep hold of it well enough as the game went on? We just gave it away too cheaply? Yeah, initially, uh, I think it, 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 you know, that was a part of it. Um, but, but you also got to have the courage to, to get people forward. Uh, you got to have the legs to get people forward. Um, you know, and there, there, there's a lot of things because you, you know, obviously, you're up against some of the, you know, the quickest players as well in transition. So if you commit too many forward, um, you know, <laughs> it opens you up. But like we've seen, you know, courage gets rewarded. Like you. You know, obviously Saudi Arabia was the the, the great example. Um, I thought Tunisia as well played with great energy up and down the, the pitch, and yeah, and and you know I think it was just lacking um, a bit, and it it is tough when the service doesn't come in. You can put all these forward players on, but the, the ball has to transition through the the pitch, and and I, and I think that engine room with McGree and Irvine. And, and Moy, I think they they were just over yeah overmatched really. It would be interesting to see their their stats out of this game, especially how many Ks they run after killing Mbappe and obviously Giroud's second put the game well out of Australia's reach. But if we go post match and we look ahead, Arnie says we ran out of legs a bit. Um, are we ready to play games at this level, Tommy? Yeah, well, obviously, I think the intensity of this game, you know, there's not many players in the Socceroos squad playing against opponents like these week in, week out. So this is another level than most of the boys are accustomed to. But, you know, not only that, you, we, you look at some of the injuries that we've had and the and the, the lead-in that a lot of our players have had, that they, they are underdone. So, I mean, I think there is a strong case to be made to say that they are our best players. So I can understand why Arnie puts them in, but it's always the risk that they're going to be undercooked. And if you're playing against players that, have such athletic ability like France obviously does. Um, yeah, I mean, we did run out of legs, so but I'm not. I don't think it's a complete surprise to be honest. Yeah, but but let's not like be too disappointed. <laughs> I think yeah, you know, on a positive note, I think you know, you know, it's the next two games for for the Socceroos, and I think it always was. You know, the the, the Tunisia game now is 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 a must win, and um, you know, uh, you know, it'll be a different proposition than France. Uh, you know, they'll cause different problems 
Um, but but it's definitely a, a winnable game. So I think going forward, uh, yes, they ran out of legs. It's a disappointing performance, and and you know a lot of things could have been done better. But you know they're still not out of it. Like they've got on paper the the two sort of lesser lesser teams um, to go, and you know a win in the second game, and you know you're off and running. Let's move on to Tunisia then because Rustic wasn't used as a substitute in this game, Tommy. We we had heard before this game he was fit. Are, are we keeping him in reserve for the Tunisia game? Yeah, well, I guess you don't know how many minutes he was available to play in this game. So, you know, given the context of the game, if, you, if you're 4-1 down and he's a bit of a risk, it probably was unnecessary to put him on and, you know, jeopardise the rest of his tournament. So I'm sure that the way that the game panned out played a role in that. But, I mean, like I touched on earlier, I think that we definitely missed him in, in the midfield today. So uh, if we can get him back for that second game, I think he, he can have a really uh, strong influence on the team. And like Thomas just said, I think that, yeah, in the Tunisia game, we'll have a lot more opportunity with the ball, hopefully, than we did today. You, you, you got to look to attack the Tunisia game. You know, I think that's that's the bottom line. You, you got to go out there to, to win it uh, uh, and, and try to be in the ascendancy. Tunisia, you know, if you saw the Denmark game, I think they're, they're going to play with a lot of energy. It's going to be like an away game, like like the Danish team felt with, with uh, you know, 80% of Tunisian fans in the stadium uh, creating a great atmosphere. But, you know, if the, if, if the Socceroos just keep their, their cool head, I think individual brilliance like a qual or, you know, they, they, can, they can make a difference. So I, I hope we'll see some of, of, of those players. I think what we need to take from this game is the fact that we scored a goal against one of the best nations in the world and we scored first and it was a beautiful <laughs> goal. And then just screw that result up, throw it over our shoulder, pick ourselves back up and focus on Tunisia. We play them on Saturday night at 9pm and uh, we'll all be tuned in to watch that one. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So let's talk about Tunisia's game against Denmark today, Thomas, because you've got a little bit of a vested interest here, of course. Yes, um, I do. <laughs> yeah, the scoreline nil-nil, but Tunisia created all the best chances in the first half. Um, in fact, also had a disallowed goal. Uh, it was a great save by Kasper Schmeichel, which no doubt you'll want to talk about, um, and some near misses as well. I always thought it was going to be a, a difficult game, you know, a little bit of a banana skin. Everyone, at least on the Danish uh, side uh, back home expected a win in this one and uh, you know there was a couple of players with invested interest from the Tunisian side that play in Denmark one of them was actually born in Denmark uh, and I thought the support they had in the stadium was was tremendous uh, a little bit like Saudi Arabia it was like playing at home for them and you could see that sort of that's that energy from the from the stands went to the players on the pitch and and gave them that second 12 man sort of uh and yeah, as you said, they had the chances. I, th- I thought they were brilliant on the break. Jabali was all over the place, their striker. Um, and, you know, uh, to be fair, I'm sitting here now and I'm, I'm quite pleased with the draw. We, we came into the game, uh, I thought we, we started wrong. I don't th- you know, we started with the back five, uh, you know, with, with the two wing backs. Uh, and, and I think it just 
took Ericsson out of the game. I think uh, he never, he was not really on the ball in the first half. Uh, he was too far forward. Dolberg didn't have the physicality to compete with, with uh, the center halves, uh, the back three of, of Tunisia. Uh, and, and the change in the second half uh, to a back four, I think just got Ericsson more on the ball. Um, and it, it sort of kept, kept the ball in our ranks a little bit more and we were more in control. Uh, had a couple of chances, obviously, uh, Cornelius, I don't know how he missed that chance. Uh, <laughs> couldn't decide if he was going to poke it in or head it. Uh, so that was a disappointment. But as you said, Kasper Michael made that fantastic save. I, I think initially it probably would have been ruled as, a, as an offside, but take nothing away from, from that save. And that's what he does so well, you know, spreading himself. And, and actually that swipe with his top hand uh, was quite uh, sublime. You know, normally uh, you'll just spread yourself. And, but the way he sort of, you know, really like just swung his arm across and, and, and uh, got it around the post was, was amazing. So, you know, we rode our luck uh, and it could have been different. Uh, so I'm quite pleased with the draw. You, you say you're pleased with the draw. It sounds like you, um, you think Denmark should have won. Um, Tommy or... No, I don't. I, don't. <laughs> I think it was a tight game. And as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased, as you said, it could have gone differently. Oh, forever the diplomat. Look, Denmark did score a goal, but uh, Tommy Orr, it was disallowed for offside in the second half. Who did you think had the, the better game or did, did you think a draw was a fair result? Yeah, I think overall a draw was probably a fair result, but it was probably one of the most exciting nil-all draws I've seen in a long time, to be honest. It was, um, yeah, it was action-packed and you couldn't take your eyes off the screen, but I think that, yeah, like you touched on, I think Tunisia in the first half kind of, you know, dictated the play and they put Denmark under immense pressure, but... As the game kind of went on, I think in the last 10, 15 minutes, Denmark had, you know, all the play and all the chances. And in the end, I think it was probably a fair result. But I thought, to be honest, in the last 10, 15 minutes, Denmark was just going to nip in and, and get the win. But um, I think the pleasing thing from Denmark's perspective in that game as well was, you know, they, they, they did suffer a lot in the first half, but they found a way to keep it nil all. And I think the good teams can do that. And I think that would be a, a big thing for them going forward in the tournament. Grind it out, and the Tunisians will certainly have some uh, big crowd numbers behind them, whoever they face. And in Australia's case, that's us uh, on Saturday night. It has had a bit of an impact. But where does this leave the group now? Uh, obviously, France on top, and Denmark and Tunisia equal on points, and Australia yet to to kick off our our point scoring progress up the ladder, which is where we're going to end up. But how much pressure does this put on Denmark, Thomas, for the France game, especially after watching the performance this morning? No, it puts a lot of pressure on now. Um, you know, France can France can can obviously seal the the group more or less by with a win, and 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 I, you know Denmark has to get something out of that game. Um, you know, they have to get a draw um, at, at least uh, to to be in the ascendancy and 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 have it in in your own hands uh, to some extent. So, you know, it's, it, it's not the ideal situation. And, and you could see the disappointment uh, and even in the comments from the Danish camp, you know, I think, uh, you know, they had banked on, 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 a, on, on three points in, in this game. And, and as Tommy said, the, the way the game swung late on, they probably feel that they, they should have nicked it. Um, but yeah, you know, you are where you are. And, and I think for, from Australia's point of view, it was, it was a it was a great result because it, it sort of leaves them, you know, in that situation of, of beating Tunisia and, and, and then, you, you know, you, and, and then hoping that, that France beats Denmark and, and then you, you know, you're in a great spot. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think from an Australian perspective, like you mentioned, it's the ideal result. But 
if you look dive a little bit deeper, I think there's a lot of um, worrying signs from the De- from the Denmark Tunisia game. I think that you know a lot of people were, were looking at that game thinking that Denmark was going to overrun Tunisia, and then that Tunisia game would be a, you know a really good chance for us to get three points, and we could go in for our third group game and you know throw caution to the wind and see what happens. But I think that game really highlighted to me how hard this second game against Tunisia is going to be, and um, yeah, I think we're going to have to have a special performance to get a good result there. And how tight the fight for second spot in this group will be. Let's change tact a little bit now and go to one of the other really entertaining matches of the evening. Argentina faced off against Saudi Arabia. I don't think anyone saw this coming. It it was an upset, absolutely. Uh, Argentina led but then squandered their chances. They had a number of goals disallowed through offside calls and, of course, uh, with the intervention of VAR, Tommy. But what were your overall thoughts on this one? Yeah, I thought that obviously Saudi played with a great intensity even from the beginning, but they were playing such a high line defensively and, you know, Argentina was getting in behind them. It must have been seven or eight times, um, obviously offside and having goals ruled out for offside. But I thought that, you know, it, it seemed like only a matter of time before Argentina would become, you know, two or three goals ahead, but they were wasteful. And I think that, you know, in the front third, they were uncharacteristically not learning the lesson in, in, in you know, arcing their runs more to be onside. And I think that... Yeah, in the second half, obviously, Saudi got that early goal and the whole momentum of the game completely shifted and Argentina, you know, everything that they were doing well at the start to get in behind them, they were unable to, to produce those moments again. And, um, yeah, I thought that the Saudi was great value for the win. Thomas Sorensen, where does this rank alongside the biggest shocks in World Cup history? I saw a stat this morning from GraceNote, which uh, sort of uses all sorts of data to, to calculate these things. And, and this was... This was up there as as the biggest shock of all time, um, you know, ahead of the uh, USA beating England in uh, in the 1950s World Cup. Um, I think definitely, you know, it has to be one of the you know the the biggest. Um, and I, and I, but but it you know normally shocks like these come around as a you know a fluke win, a, a smash and grab. But I thought, like like Tommy said, the, the second half, uh, Saudi Arabia totally dominated. Uh, you know the energy; they they really played well. They and they they were, you know, <laughs> you know, good value for for their lead. I thought, um, you know, so so you can't really say that as the game went on that it was a big surprise. Um, so, so so credit to Saudi Arabia and, and disappointment to Argentina. I think. You know, Messi, you know, didn't quite, he had that early chance, uh, which he should have put away. Um, and, and then, you know, just never really been the normal Messi sharp. You know, Di Maria got isolated, I think, too far wide. Only really came into the game the last sort of 10 minutes. Uh, Martinez, uh, you know, again, then his, his ruled out goals, his arc runs didn't quite, the timing wasn't quite there. So it was just, Argentina was just a, bit off and looked like a team that was sort of just expecting to win this game. Uh, and, and at this level, you, you just can't. It's always the first game that's the potential to cause an upset or a shock, isn't it? Which we were obviously hoping for against France. Didn't go our way, but certainly went Saudi Arabia's way. Let's quickly touch on the Mexico-Poland match. This one ended nil-nil as well. Uh, Memo Ochea saving a penalty from Robert Lewandowski, Thomas. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't have thought that he was going to miss that one. Um, you know, again, it was probably, again, a fair result, I think, overall. Um, and the penalty as well. I, I thought Lewandowski did as much as, 
as as the Mexican player. He he pushed as well. He was obviously tugged. Um, so, so it was probably fair that he that he ended up missing it. Um, and and I thought Mexico were were brilliant. Should have won the game. At least had the best chances. I think Irving Lozano on that right hand side was was electric. Um, you know, so they, you know, I can't wait for that Argentina-Mexico game. I think that's going to be an absolute blinder. Um, and, and again, you know, I think still too much is on Lewandowski's shoulders in, in this Poland side. I think they, you know, they're just, yeah, a little bit too defensive for, for my liking. Um, you know, not getting too many people forward. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I sadly don't think they're going to get out of the group. All right, let's move on to day four's preview because plenty more football coming our way, at least for the next few weeks anyway. Uh, first up tomorrow, Morocco and Croatia. Uh, it's Croatia's fifth World Cup appearance. I just want to throw this out to you. The three times <laughs> they've lost their opening game, they've not made it out of the group, but the two times they have won the opening game, they've made it through to the semis. And that, of course, was in 2018 and then way back in 1998. Is this one a Croatian game? Tommy I think this is an intriguing game. I think that Morocco is a really difficult and a sticky opponent. They've got a lot of technical players and they've they've recently welcomed Hakim Ziyech back into the side and we all know from you know his exploits obviously not too long ago at Chelsea what he's capable of producing. So I think Croatia's definitely going to see this as a bit little bit of a banana peel um, like like Denmark's or the Tunisia game. So I don't think this is necessarily going to be a straightforward one and I I yeah to be honest I'm maybe predicting an upset. All right, Thomas, let's move on to Germany taking on Japan because Japan were definitely potent in qualifying. They had almost 60 goals across their 18 games. Uh, they have shown they're good enough to keep up with European uh, nations uh, as the Belgium game was an example of that. But the problem there was they had trouble holding the lead. How will this one turn out? You know, it's, it, this is uh, another uh, intriguing game. You would obviously on paper say that... Uh, you know, Germany is going to be the favourites. Um, missing Leroy Sane uh, with a knee injury, I think, is is a big blow for, for them. Um, but hopefully we'll see, um, you know, one of my favourites, Musiala, uh, in there, in, in, in his place. And, and uh, you know, I think, you know, uh, they, I think Germany will just have too much quality for, for Japan. They're, they're going to try to, to hang in there and, and make it hard. But... You know, I, I see Germany running out as, as winners. Um, I think, uh, yeah, just too much, uh, too much quality overall. Uh, Tommy, well, you mentioned Spain earlier and their win in 2010. They take on Costa Rica on match day four. Can they refine that form uh, where they dominated on the world stage a decade ago? Yeah, I think they're going into this tournament and, you know, they're flying under the radar a little bit. Nobody's talking or putting them in the conversation to, to be contenders to win it. Um, but I think they're, they're certainly capable and I think they've got a fantastic manager in Luis Enrique as well and he's obviously got you know, proven credentials, but they also have a lot of really exciting, like up and coming talent. And I think this could be a tournament where, you know, they, they emerge as the, the talent, not only the talent, but the, the, the present and, you know, the likes of Pedri and these types of players. I mean, if they're on song, I think that they could, there's nothing stopping them going all the way. So, I mean, against Costa Rica, I, I can't see them not getting a good result, but I think if they put in a strong performance, they could really announce themselves at this tournament as well. 
And just a reminder that Costa Rica was the last team to qualify for Qatar 2022. They'll certainly be up against it when they take on Spain. The other match will see Belgium and Canada face off. Now, Thomas, Belgium uh, ranked second in the world, favourite for this clash. But I don't think Canada should be underestimated in their first World Cup fixture for 36 years. No, for sure not. I think John Herdman uh, has really done well uh, with this Canadian team. There's some great talent in there. We obviously know Alphonse Davis. Uh, there's Jonathan uh, David and Kyle Aaron as well. You know, so I think they, they've got pace and, and power uh, that can, um, you know, that can cause some problems. Uh, you know, Belgium, you obviously, you know, with De Bruyne in there, you know, they've, they've always, <laughs> they're always going to be a force. But is Hazard at his absolute best uh, like he was, you know, four years ago? Um, there, there's question marks of who starts up front. I think that the back line is, you know, they're, they're aging as well. So, you know, I've got my question marks. Uh, so I think uh, there could be an, uh, a potential upset in, in, in this game as well. I think Canada is going to surprise a few people. I think they've, they've got uh, more firepower than people think. Big thanks to Tommy Orr and Thomas Sorensen. And a big thank you too to Mark Schwarzer coming to us from Qatar. Don't forget the Gagenpod is daily during the World Cup, so make sure you hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, make sure you rate us five stars. And if the World Cup isn't enough of a football fix for you, you can also watch the WSL live and exclusive on Optus Sport. I've been your host, Amy Duggan. I will be back tomorrow to speak with you for more football on the Optus Sport Football Podcast. Thanks for listening. This is The Gagan. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.